Good morning. My name is Chad, one of the pastors here. I want to say hey to everybody in person and online. And we continue to uh, give grace to each other. We want to say uh, mask or no mask, either way is okay. We want you to be comfortable. And we know that we're still kind of in a transition time. So thank you for your grace uh, with us and with other people as well. Hopefully you got a little glimpse of why we love Kirsten Reynolds so much. Um, and our kid men staff, they are amazing. And if you haven't had your kiddos involved in our children's ministry, it's, it's amazing. Our youth ministry, our college ministry, actually all of those are kind of our secret weapon um, because usually what happens is kids go first, they show up to college, they show up in the youth ministry, parents will be like, okay, fine, we'll get you in church. And then they say, well, I guess we should try a big church too. And they end up staying and it's super fun. So they're our secret weapon. Uh, we're very excited um, to have her and her staff. And so if you see her, just tell her how amazing she is. Um, will you pray with me as we open God's word? Lord, thank you uh, for the way you love us. Uh, Lord, thank you that as we sit here this morning, God, we are enjoying, uh, and it's a big deal in Minnesota when the sun comes out and it's hot. And even though months before we were complaining about the cold, now we get to complain about the heat. Um, but Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful, uh, Lord, your word even tells us uh, in Romans that we can look outside and see the things that you've made and actually say, you know what? God exists. He is in control. He has authority. Um, but your word also says that uh, we need a special revealing of Jesus in our hearts, and that comes through your word. And so we pray, God, that through this text that has traveled, it has time traveled um, thousands of years, even before the foundation of the world, uh, to reach our ears and our hearts this morning. And uh, the word also says that your spirit will help us understand. You will illuminate our minds and our hearts so that we actually say, I think this is for me. I think God is speaking to me through Jesus, through his word. And may that be true today. Um, we bless you, Jesus. We thank you for this time together. Amen. Uh, today's message is entitled Dinner with Jesus because that's what's happening in the passage. And I thought, well, that works. Dinner with Jesus. So let's do it. Um, Luke chapter 14, if you have a copy of God's word, I encourage you to turn there, flip there, open it up. Just don't open up something else. If you got a phone, you'll be distracted. You can also just read online uh, if you're watching online or just see it up on the screen. But as you're turning there, have you ever had a dinner where the food was spectacular, but the company and or the circumstances that were surrounding the dinner were awful? And you're like, this food is amazing, but I can't enjoy it because what's happening between me and that person or what just happened, like think about grief. When we lose someone, what do we do? We bring food we don't know what else to say, so we bring food. And so have you ever been in your house after losing someone that you loved and there's all kinds of amazing food and you're like serving it up and you're, yeah, the food's great, but the circumstances are awful. It's difficult. Or there's tension between you and a spouse or a friend or a sibling and it's just not a great dinner. Today's dinner that Jesus has is just like that. It's awful. The food was probably great, 
It's actually in the house of some people who probably had some money. The food was great. The company, what's happening was visceral, intense. Emotions are flying around the room. And so I want to start, just read the first six verses to set the stage for you to see what's going on. Luke 14, verse one. On one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, if the Bible had a soundtrack, which I'm sure it does, but if it had a soundtrack today and you read that sentence, you would hear dun, 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 sinister music. That's like, oh, what's going to happen? So when he's at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. You ever been to somebody's house and they invite you in and they're like, what are you touching? What are you doing? What are you, why are you touching that? Why are you standing there? What are you doing here? This is what's happening. Jesus is in the house and they're like, every, it's like every move they're watching him carefully. And behold, there's a man before him who had dropsy, which in our current day language is an edema. He had fluid build up in his body. He needed help. I don't know how he got there. It's a good question, actually. Is he a setup? Did the Pharisees drag him in there? and say, let's put him in the room and let's see what's happened? Or did he hear that Jesus was gonna be in a place and like the woman who came in and kind of broke into the other Pharisee's house, maybe he slipped in the back door and was like, this is my shot. I'm gonna see if Jesus can help me. Either way, there's a guy there. Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? No, we know he reads minds. He's reading minds. He's already listening to their thoughts. So he just asked the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They're not answering, but they're watching him. And then he took him, healed him, and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son, your very own child, or an ox that has fallen into a well, your property, which was a big deal back then, that'd be like basically saying, hey, here's all your money on the ground. What are you gonna do? On a Sabbath day, we'll not immediately pull him out. They could not reply to these things. This is a recurring theme. People don't know what to say to Jesus. So I read this passage and I thought about a movie. I like uh, good movies, good directing. M. Night Shyamalan has directed a few movies. He's kind of a Hitchcock, a current day Alfred Hitchcock in that he doesn't show a lot visually, but in the interactions with the characters and in what you don't see, you get really scared, which I like. And you're, it's because you're imagining all these things that are happening. And so this movie happens to be about an alien invasion. Ah, surprise, fun Sunday morning topic. But Mel Gibson is the main character. He is a former priest and recent atheist. And you know why? Because his wife was killed tragically. And he said, I'm done. Forget it. His kids aren't so sure, but... They are in this situation. So not only is he an atheist, a former priest, he's given up on his faith. Uh, aliens just happen to be taking over the world and they're going to kill everybody. So that's what's happening. And you know what they said? Let's have a final awesome meal. Kids, what do you want to eat? And so they're like, anything? Yeah. French toast and mashed potatoes. That's what the first one says. Chicken teriyaki. Can I have chicken teriyaki? Yep. Spaghetti? Yep. Cheeseburgers? Yep. All of it. So you see the kitchen and it kind of cuts to the kitchen and there's just stuff everywhere. They've made all this food. 
The table is full. They're sitting around it. And if you see the scene, they're sitting there like this. Just because aliens are attacking. <laughs> and they're like, what are we doing? And the little boy, in a poignant moment, says to his dad, shouldn't we say a prayer? And he says, I will not waste one more minute on prayer. And the boy says, I hate you. And he's like, fine, hate me. I don't care. And then his brother is there. He's played by Joaquin Phoenix. And he says, come on, man, just give him a prayer. Then the little girl starts crying. The boy starts crying. Mel Gibson's like, I'm not having it. Eat, eat. It's all the food you wanted. Jump in. What's wrong with everybody? So he stands up, takes his fork and he's like, picks up. He says, well, I'm going to eat. I'm going to have something of everything. Sounds like a really fun dinner, doesn't it? (laughs) Everybody starts crying. And then they all come over to him and wrap their arms around him. And it's this moment of, oh, (laughs) this is difficult. That's what I thought about. That's what is happening here with you. This dinner has the same vibe. And you don't have to go any further than to look where he is. Whose house is he in? Who invited him? Why did they invite him? What's the purpose of the meal? He's in the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. This is the lion's den. They hate him. It's not just dangerous. It's like going to the dentist when you need a root canal. Okay, it's an awful situation. And this isn't the first time. If you've been with us in Luke's gospel, you're like, wait a minute. Hasn't he done this before? Yes, he keeps doing it. Jesus keeps going to these people's houses. We've seen this movie before. Religious leaders on the Sabbath, Jesus is about to do something they don't like. And what's on the menu? What are we having for dinner when Jesus comes over? Our host has prepared a delightful dish of hostility. Awful food, hostile danger. It says they were watching him carefully. Let's expand on that. They're waiting. They're lurking. They are fueled by the enemy. Now, how can I say that? Well, if you skip forward a few chapters to Luke chapter 22, there's another dinner going on, a very famous Last Supper. And you know who's sitting in the host spot? It's Jesus himself. And you know who's sitting in the honored guest position? A guy named Judas. And after that interaction, the Bible says, and Satan entered into him and he went out into the night. So there are people in this room who will be a part of that plot. Satan himself is fueling this interaction. And so as I think about that table, we have Pharisees, we've got the man with an edema who needs help. We have probably some of the disciples. Usually they kind of would find themselves on the edge of the room. That's how they knew these stories. Jesus would tell them, but some of them were present. There's someone else sitting there. Satan. He's got a seat at the table and he's like, let's go. Let's go. Fueling their hatred. This should warn us. How can you be around, listen to, invite into your own home, have dinner with, even experience some joy, but ultimately be a part of the plot to kill the son of God. I don't know, except that it happened. 
That's what's going on in this room. So the man had dropsy, edema, uh, which fluid built up in different parts of his body. My guess is if he got himself there, he was in a lot of discomfort. He needed a doctor. If you do just a simple search, you know, WebMD, which we can go and diagnose our own kids. Just kidding. <laughs> but I've totally tried it. You're like, I think this is this, this, and this. Oh yeah? Okay. Um, just go to the doctor. Um, but edema can be caused by a lot of different things. Or things can lead to it. Heart failure, kidney disease, liver issues, thyroid disorders, blood clots, infections, all kinds of stuff could be going on. Bottom line, it wasn't enough to say, I don't need to do anything. He needed a doctor. He needed a doctor. Guess what? The great physician is in the house. The guy who created his body knows exactly how it works and can fix him. But the Pharisees are like, ah, ah, don't, don't, don't you do it. Don't you do it. You know, it's illegal. It actually wasn't. But in their twisted legalistic way of interpreting God's law, they had made it illegal. All Jesus is going to do is this. Touch. So it says, the text says he's just going to touch him. It's not illegal to touch somebody on the Sabbath. But in their minds, it is so wrong. So what do we know about Jesus? Does he heal him? Of course he does. In an instant. Takes it away. His love and compassion, even in a hostile environment, even when what's on the menu is the rottenness of their sin, he serves up in the midst of that chaos to this guy, filet mignon. He says, hey, buddy, look here. Here's what I'm going to do for you, which is a great little small thing just to think about. You can be in a very difficult situation at work or even in a family where you're choosing to follow Jesus and the chaos it is causing around you with people isn't fun. But Jesus says, hey, we can still have this great meal even in the middle of this awful dinner which is what they do. They have this thing. The irony of what is happening here is that in an effort to keep God's law, they've distorted it so much, <clears throat> excuse me, that they are actually sinning by withholding compassion and love. <clears throat> Sin is never isolated. It infects like a virus. It spreads, it grows unchecked. It can be like a festering sore deep inside your heart. And what's the collateral damage? Blindness, callousness to the love of God. So Jesus says, all right, let me try this. What about if it was your kid down in a well on the Sabbath? You're telling me you're going to stand at the top and say, hey, I, I love you. Really sorry you're down there, but it's the Sabbath. Would they get him out? Of course they get him out. Jesus sees people as people made in the image of God. They're blinded to that. Surely, though, this story about their own flesh and blood will start to get them to break. Hearts might soften just a little bit. Nope, because something's missing. I read an article this week, and this was the question it posed. If you could sum up the complete Old Testament law with one word, what would it be? So I was like, wow. Rigid. Legalistic. Harsh. Difficult. If you're like me and if you don't have a full picture of the gospel and understanding what is really happening and you pick and choose kind of like the culture does, that's what you say. That's not the answer though. 
You know what the answer is? Love. How do we know that? Somebody asked Jesus, what's the most important commandments that came out of the Old Testament? If you had to pick one, what's the most important, the greatest commandment? And he quoted what is considered to be the Pledge of Allegiance for Jewish people, the Shema, which just means hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you go to a Jewish house and there's one of those things on the door, that's what's inside. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love, not obey, not trust, not fear. Those things will follow. You shall love. This is the greatest commandment. The Lord your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. And the second, what does Jesus say? Love your neighbor. And he says, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two. Are these two commandments being obeyed in this house? Nope. Is God being loved? No, he's right in their midst. He's not being loved. How about the neighbor that needs help? Nope, he's not being helped either. And Satan is sitting in the corner and I just picture him sitting at the table and they're all talking and here's the healing going on. And he's just stuck here and he's got just greasy meat. His hands are all, he's just, and he's like, just loving every minute. As we sit in on this hostile dinner, we might be inclined to say to Jesus, get out of there. Give up on these jerks. They don't deserve it. Ah, they don't, but neither do we. So here's the grace part of the story. And it's on repeat. Jesus has done this before. Jesus is fully aware of their hostility, of their hate, of their enmity to him but he's still teaching them. He's not giving up. Some of them, think about this. Nicodemus could be in this room. Joseph of Arimathea could be in this room who later will be asking Pilate for the body of Jesus. They're Pharisees. They're a part of the ruling class. They could be at this dinner sitting in the back, watching, listening, thinking, Maybe hairline cracks are forming in their heart. So Jesus stays. He stays in this environment. He's willing, he's able, he loves them anyway. And so he says, I really want to leave. But here we go. Verse seven. So he told a parable and this is why, you know, it's the same story because who does he tell the parable to? Those who were invited. It's the same house. It's the same dinner. Because here's what he said. He noticed they were picking the best seats for themselves. No, I'm taking that seat. I'm more important than you. I'm taking that seat. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, interesting word, wedding. Do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him, the host. And then he who invited you both will have to come to you and say, I'm so sorry, but you're sitting in the wrong seat. You got to move. He's more important than you. Move. Give your place to this person and then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, hey, friend, come here. Move up. Sit next to me. I want, you're my honored guest. 
Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. When he noticed how they chose the best seats, he told them a story. This is Jesus. It's classic Jesus. Parables get to the heart. And there were places to sit back then. Usually the room had a U-shaped table like this. The host would sit at the head of the table and the seat to his left and right were honored seats. And as you moved around the table, you are less important. And so people walk in and they're like, I'm here first. I'm sitting in this one. Jesus is like, okay, let's not do this. They're, they're jockeying for the best seats. They're trying to get in there. It's a cultural thing going on here. You might be like, well, that's weird. Is it though? Is it? We're very similar. So I've lived in Minnesota now for 11 years. I'm from the South. Twins, fine. Vikings, fine. I'm not a Packer fan, but see down South, we don't really care about the NFL. That's the thing. So it's like college football. I'm all about it. But the Minnesota wild, I love. I am wild about the Minnesota Wild. Hockey, you can ask my family. It's like the wild game is on. I'm like, huh? What? No, what? Yeah, no. Uh, what? So a few years ago, one of my former students uh, from Tennessee, he was in youth group with me, uh, is now a lawyer in the cities, and he's moved on since then. But he worked in one of those big firms downtown, he calls us up says, would you and Lisa like to come to the wild game? I was like, yes. <laughs> and I didn't know it, but they had some seats. I mean, on the glass, baby. Like, and so we arrive and he's like, I'm like thinking, oh, we got to do the normal thing. And I've been to wild games and you park all over the place. And he's got this parking pass. And it's not just a piece of paper. It's like, you know, plastic, like full-blown parking pass. You know, we drive underneath Excel Energy Center, somewhere close by or whatever. We start walking in this back way, not even the normal gates. I'm like, mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> I'm supposed to be here. I'm, spo I'm supposed to be here. Um, we walk past and I look over and about from me to where the sound booth is, is the Minnesota Wild team in shorts and t-shirts juggling a soccer ball. And I was like, Lisa, Nino Niederreiter, Mikael Granlin, blah, blah. She's like, I don't know who those people are. And I'm like, but it's the people. It's the, it's the, you know, I'm like, my picture is I'm trying not to be an idiot. Um, and then we get to go in and here's our seats. And we're just like, they're playing the Nashville Predators. And it's like, this is amazing. Right on the glass. And then there's this place called the Audi Quattro, whatever, club, which is also included in the seats. We walk into this place. It's prime rib, it's full open food, like anything you want, not just once, in between every period, you can go back and get more. In between the second and third period, you get to go for dessert. They've changed everything out. I was like, this, this is the way to see a game. I mean, come on. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was so fun. Even down to the details of my wife doesn't love hockey very much, but she was banging on the glass at PK Subban. Our kids are watching, they see us on TV and they're like, mom, we saw your hair. Like, so it's like, <laughs> it was so fun. But here's the thing. I can't just go to Excel Energy Center and say, I am a really big fan. 
and I'm going to go sit down there. I don't have a ticket, but I really, I really, really like them. And I'm going to go sit down at the class. They're like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's who you know. You must be invited. You must know the person. They must have the authority, recognize your place of who's in charge. Middle Eastern culture is no different. The honored guest should have a seat on the glass. He doesn't have one. In fact, he's not even recognized that the honored guest, their actions, rather their interaction of not giving Jesus a seat on the glass, the honored seat of treating him the way they have treated him so far with hostility, they might as well say it. Jesus, will you be my dishonored guest? Can I treat you poorly? Is it okay if I just dismiss you and disrespect you and dishonor you. I want to put you in your place. You're not welcome here. I know you're here, but you're not welcome here. We don't honor you. We don't like what you say. We don't like what you do. We don't like how you make us feel. We don't like how you've thrown a wrench into our whole system, our whole power structure. So sit over there. Have you done this? Are there places in your life where you do this, where you say, Lord, I'm okay if you talk about this, but not this. Sit over there. We're not talking about that. Is Jesus really only talking about how they should act in social settings here? Or is he talking about the heart? He's talking about the heart. What's the irony of the situation is God is in their midst. He has not been offered the place of honor. So he tells a story about seating and where you should sit and the important seats and who should seat you. He's been disrespected and dismissed. Jesus, you can go to the back of the room. You can sit at the kitty table. The adults are going to talk over here. They still don't know who he is. How about you? Do you know him? Have you done this to him? The dinner story in Luke's gospel is not about having dinner. Dinner is the metaphor. It's the living parable that describes communion and relationship with God. And Jesus drives it home by saying, eh, let me tell you a story about a wedding feast. Huh, why a wedding feast, Jesus? Well, he's the bridegroom. He's come to claim his bride. The wedding feast is a picture of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees are supposed to know this. It's all throughout the Bible. The Bible begins with a wedding and it ends with a wedding. It's, it's the bookends of the Bible. They should know this. They should know it. It's right in front of them. <clears throat> but they don't. So what needs to happen for them and for us? Humble yourself, kind of finishes. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, whether they want to or not, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Get low, recognize your place, and I don't mean physically, your spiritual place. Don't assume you got a seat. Don't assume you have a seat. Yeah, but we're Jews. We're Pharisees. We're the chosen people. We have assigned seats. We're supposed to be here. We're allowed to be here. We go to church. I know the Bible. I've been, I've been hanging out with Christians. I've been doing all that. I'm a pretty good person. I can sit here. Or we can pull an American thing. I have a right to be here. It's my right to go to heaven. Jesus is like, eh, Let's talk about something here. Let's talk about true humility. 
truly being poor in spirit. To the truly humble, the needy and broken heart, Jesus will say, friend, sit next to me. To the proud, that's not your seat. That's not your seat. So how about you? Have you been telling Jesus to sit over there? Sit over there. You're too, you're too close right now, Jesus. I want to keep you at a safe distance. Have you been assuming you already have a seat at the table? What does the humble person realize? Jesus, you're not here for one visit, are you? I think actually you haven't even come to be a guest. Why are you here? Jesus, what are you doing? He's like, well, let me tell you. Verse 12. He said to the man who had invited him. Again, same room. He spoke to the people who had been invited. Now he speaks to the host who had invited him. And he says this. Hey, listen, when you give a dinner or a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, which they would have been listening going, what? And you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The what? Jesus just likes to slide in these little things that happen to be major events in the future. (laughs) The resurrection of the just? What is that? It's a little bitty hint at the final judgment. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, not so fast. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. They did two invitations back then. They didn't have email. They didn't have social media. So they would send an invitation to say, hey, this is going to happen. And then when it was happening, they sent another invitation. And so to put that in, a little bit of symbolic stuff going on there, the Old Testament, the prophets came, invitation, 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 come. The king is coming. The king is coming. Jesus shows up and he's like, I'm here. The king is here, the table's set, it's ready. Send them out, tell them. Come, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, you know, I just bought a field and I probably should go look at it. What? You don't even know what it looks like? No, I just bought it, sight unseen. Or the other one said, you know, I've, oh, and he says, please have me excused. Don't let that phrase escape. Another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I probably should go see what they look like and if they're still alive. Another lame excuse. Please have me excused. Another said, I just got married and you know how that goes. I can't come. Another lame excuse. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. The servant said to him, you know, we did that and there's still more room. We got room. He says, okay, highways, hedges, go to the corners of the earth and compel people 
to come to my house. I want it full. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited, who have made lame excuses, shall taste my banquet. What's Jesus' answer to the question, why is he here? Is he there to come for a one-visit thing? Is he just a guest? You may have thought you put him in his place. You dishonored him. You kept him at bay. You served up your best dish of rejection. But what everyone will soon find out is that he is actually the one who is hosting the dinner. The great banquet of the kingdom of God and you're invited. He hosts the dinner. He comes to take over. He doesn't come to visit. He wants to live there. There seem to be people invited, Jesus, that make me uncomfortable, though. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. You know, important people. <laughs> Which they're like, no. Not your relatives, not your friends. So verse 15 is, is funny because it's that person in a room that's filled with tension that doesn't like what was just said You've been in those conversations. It's the, the tension at the dinner table and then rah, 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 and then there's the person over there that's like, potatoes? <laughs> so this guy says, I don't know about all that, but man, it's gonna be great for anybody who gets to eat at your table. It's a tension release. Like he's trying to just like, you're making me so uncomfortable with this poor crippled, lame, blind stuff that I'm just gonna say this. And Jesus is like, no, don't change the subject. And then we see him repeat the whole thing again of who should be invited. Wow, Lord, you're making me feel uncomfortable. I don't want you talking about that. Do you do that? I do. Are you doing it right now? Are there parts in your life, topics in your life that are off limits to Jesus? When you hear certain things from God's word, the past month maybe is a great example for us. It was for me. When God says, hey, I want you to go out into the world, go to the uncomfortable places, go to the difficult places, love your neighbor, see the gospel spread to the places that politics would say, nope, can't do that. Does that make me uncomfortable? Yeah. Did the Lord still talk about it? Yeah. Did he talk about it a lot? Yeah. How about the sovereignty of God in the past election? Is that when you're like, nope, that's not what happened. God didn't have anything to do with that. That's not what I wanted. That's not what happened. So no, I'm not talking about that. That's off limits. How about the sexual ethic of the Bible where God wants to talk about sexuality, wants to tell you his, nope, don't you know that's not, you don't talk about those things. How about judgment? Oh, come on. God is love. Like, I don't want it. Just that's off topic. Hell is real. No, that's too, no, that's too difficult. I don't want to go there. That doesn't fit in my potatoes. It's kind of how people are. That's how we are. Like, let's, let's just do it. Jesus is not going to let us off the hook, though. He stays with it because what is the great banquet a picture of? The same thing the wedding feast is a picture of. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. This isn't about having dinner. This is about the kingdom of God. Come to my banquet. Everything is ready. I don't know, Jesus. And all the lame excuses that follow. I just can't right now. I'm so busy. I just like the way I'm living. It seems more fun than, well, you. Seems more fun than you. I don't want to give up. Fill in the blank. Jesus, I don't think I can make it to your banquet. And make no mistake, 
This is his banquet, the body and blood of Jesus, the kingdom of God. Please have me excused. So you fill in the rest of the sentence with from the kingdom of God. That's what they're doing. The problem is they don't think they need him. We don't either. But the poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, when they get the invitation, they are shocked. Me? You mean I, you sure? Somebody else has my name too. I don't think, really? I'm, a, I'm allowed? They are, let me gather my thing. I don't have anything, but let's go. They're so excited to receive the love of God. Just one thing why there's a little clue here. Is this about us reaching the poor and those who are hurting and broken? Yes. It's always about the simple surface thing. And then it goes deeper where Jesus is like, and let's talk about your heart. And the key to you receiving my love is you knowing that you're poor in spirit, broken in spirit, needing. The Pharisees, no. But Jesus said, this is the key. I don't know, Lord, this is just difficult. Yeah, well, if it's difficult, I want you to go out into the world and actually compel people to come in. I want you to go to the most difficult places on the planet. Go and find them. I don't really like those people. Can I give you a hint about how things work in the kingdom of God? Obey first, understand second. I am obeying you so that I can understand. It works. You do it, all of a sudden your heart starts breaking and you start to see. Now I wanna do something, it's, it's a little bit longer clip today. Um, I've got a clip from The Chosen that I'm gonna set up for you. We asked the producers of The Chosen if it's okay if we show their clips to you guys. They said, yes, please do. I wanna encourage you, watch every single episode. They're amazing, thechosen.tv. They're free to watch. Um, a beautiful representation of Christ and the gospels. In this clip, it's a dinner. It's a Shabbat dinner. It's Mary Magdalene who has been set free from demons. She knows the face of the man, but she does not know who he is. She just knows that he set her free and she's come alive. She has not been invited to Shabbats for years. She doesn't even remember what it was like because she was a little girl, but she's like, you know what? It's Shabbat. I'm free. I think I want to, I think I want to do this thing. I want to be with God's people. I want to, but she doesn't have any friends. She doesn't have anybody to invite. So she's like, you know what? I'll invite all these people that nobody else wants to come to their Shabbat as well. And so you'll see those people coming into her house. You're also going to see clips of Matthew, the tax collector, and he is eating alone. Outside, no family, completely excluded. Now Jesus is pursuing him, but it, the creators of the story are trying to give you a glimpse of this. He's by himself. You're going to see Peter and Andrew and Peter's wife. They're sitting at the table. There's hostility in the air. And the reason is because Peter is also being pursued. He has not yet believed who Jesus is. And so he's going to go work and fish on the Sabbath because he owes debts. And so there's tension there. And then there's one more dinner scene. And this is all happening at the same time. It's Nicodemus. Remember I told you that some of the guys that were probably in that room, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, he's holding a proper Shabbat. All the right people, all the right people in the right seats, very dressed to the nines, all the stuff on the table, rich. So that's what's going on. And then somebody shows up at Mary's house. 
So let's watch this. It's about six minutes, a little bit longer, but I think it just brings together everything in our text today. So let's watch together. glad you came. Oh, thank you, Miss Maddie. This is a fine place. Oh, thank you. Are we on? Is it still on? Yes, Shula. How did you find us? I followed that mule, Barnaby. <laughs> Not that he waited. Looking as handsome as ever, Barnaby. Come. Lucky guess, Shula. <laughs> is this the place? If Maddie's here, it is. Do I know you? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm James. This is Thaddeus. We were told this would be a good place to come. We can leave if it's awkward. Oh, oh no, oh, please come in. You're most welcome here. So, can we help? Oh, no. Well, uh, yes, I... I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I see food. That's a victory. If I'm not doing something or doing something wrong, you tell me. Oh, nonsense. It's already great. I can't remember the last time I was invited to Shabbat dinner. Me, never. You've never been to Shabbat? Of course I've been to one. Been to lots. Just never got invited. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the extra seat for? Oh, uh, for Elijah. Am I right? I, I remember my mother always setting an extra place for Elijah. That's only for Passover. Just once a year at Seder. Oh. Well, when Seder comes, I'll have a head start on setting up. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at my little notes. <laughs> Let's see. Can I read it for you, Mary? Stop it, Barnaby. I read better than you. <sighs> my father taught me. Very impressive. <sighs> uh, oh, uh, is the first star out? Yes, let's eat. Like I said, you are very popular. Or it's a Pharisee here to shut us down for letting you be here. Hello, Mary. Hello. It's good to see you. Yes. Yes. I don't want to be rude, but would it be okay if, if I... Oh! <laughs> yes, of course. Please come in. I just never thought you'd... Um... I have guests here. Uh, this is my first time. I don't know what I'm doing. Rabbi. Rabbi. You already know these men? They are students of mine. I trust they have been polite. Of course. Your guests can take the seat. Yes, Mary? Oh, of course. <laughs> yes, of course, please have a seat. I keep saying of course a lot. <laughs> um, Francis is the man I told you about who, um, who helped me. Oh, yes, yeah, Mary told us so much about you. Oh, I hope not too much. I'm Barnaby, this is Shula. She is blind. Ah. In case you couldn't tell. I'm, I'm so sorry, I, I don't actually know your name. I'm Jesus, 
of Nazareth. Well, apparently something good can come from Nazareth. <laughs> well. Mary, I'm honored to be here. Why don't you begin? Oh, no, I, I couldn't now that you are here. You must. Thank you, but this is your home. And I would love for you to do it. Okay. I'll just, uh, I'll just read from this now. Now the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. And God completed on the seventh day his work that he did. And God. And God abstained on the seventh day from all the work he did. And God blessed the seventh day. And he hallowed it. For thereon he abstained from all the work that God created to do. Blessed are you, Lord our God. Blessed are you, Lord our God. Ruler of the universe, you have who creates the fruit of the vine. You have lovingly and willingly given us your You have lovingly and willingly given us your Shabbat as an inheritance in memory of creation. Because this is the first day of our holy assemblies in memory of the exodus from Egypt. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth the bread from the earth. Amen. 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 Blessed art you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. And then she looks at the bread of life the bread from heaven who has come down. And I just, I love it, this amen. And he says, amen. The irony of what's happening there and the beauty of the way Jesus interacts with people who didn't feel invited, didn't think anybody wanted them around. We're, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. And he is beautifully loving them. And even, you probably saw that moment where he winks at Barnaby, who just made a really offensive, what he thought was a joke. And everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> Jesus just winks at him. It's like, it's all right, you'll be fine. That's our God. He's, he's full of grace and full of love. And not only is he inviting you to the table, he is the meal. It's really hard thing for us to grasp. It was hard for them, but he offers himself as broken bread and poured out wine. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. I love to read from Isaiah first before I read from the New Testament about communion. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and crinkle away um, because it sets the stage. And as Pastor Joe reminded me yesterday, it was about 700 years before this communion, that this was written. He, the servant, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as from one whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. 
but surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we thought he was stricken, smitten and rejected by God, afflicted for doing something. But with the help of the Spirit and faith, we realize he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, if we're willing, we are healed. Because all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. And yet the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. As they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take eat, this is my body. Let's partake together. He also took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day. That day was mentioned in our passage several times today. A wedding feast, the resurrection of the just, the great banquet. All three of them point to that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That is, if you are and have suggests and are at the table, let's partake together. Well, Jesus, thank you for setting such a beautiful table. Thank you, God, that we can partake of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ because you were broken because you poured out your life unto death or because as the scripture describes you drank the full cup to the dregs of God's wrath for us so that we wouldn't have to Lord we praise you we praise the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth King of kings, Lord of lords, Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world. Would you minister to us now as we reflect and sing together one more time? Amen. Let's stand together and sing.